that's discrimination. It isn't discrimination, Daniel. It's just common sense. If someone comes into your shop wearing a T-shirt with a man being electrocuted on it, you might wonder... It's discrimination to judge someone based on their beliefs. Music is my religion. You're being facetious. I'm trying to help. You're saying I look gruesome. I didn't say you looked gruesome. I said your T-shirt... You know what? I'm too tired for this. Go to bed, then. I will. Pizza's in the freezer. I'm not hungry. Well, there's a first time for everything. So, before we start, I was doing some Googling... And the actor who plays Kai in the film. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, who, you know, I wanted, because he has a very distinct voice, which we'll get into in the film. And I don't know if you'll be able to hear this, but I was looking up to see, like, can I hear him talking normally to see if that's his accent or is he putting on for the film? And apparently he does music on YouTube. So I'm just going to play you I started listening to it and just like him singing actually uh I don't know if if you can hear it if I do screen sharing hold on a sec can you see him yeah, yeah. okay I'm gonna hit play <laughs> did you hear him or no a little bit a little bit yeah okay He's in, um He's in the TV show Uncle, where he's also like their musicians in that TV show. Yeah. So that was interesting. Uh, I it couldn't really gauge whether or not that's his actual voice. It's it sounds quite low, so I suppose it's probably similar-ish to. Yeah, yeah. He sings in Uncle as well, and again, obviously they're tuning it and what have you. But um, he's got like a deep voice in that also. Yeah. Are you looking up? He is the kid in Uncle. Yeah, I've never seen it before. (laughs) What a terrible lie for me to make No, I didn't think you'd made it up, but like I didn't Didn't connect the dots, yeah. Yeah. So welcome to book club. (laughs) I just, some last minute research. uh, I had that pondering in my mind. Does anyone actually talk like that? So this month we've done Days of the Bagnold Summer by Jeff Winterhart and Sean is going to start us off talking about the comic. Well yeah I am, I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yes, as Nora said, uh, by Jeff Winterhart, originally published Joff. in... Joff! Joff! is that how we're saying? <laughs> it was J-O-F-F, so I guess. Oh, you said to me earlier, G-E-O-F-F, didn't you? Nope, okay. so J-O-F-F, and then he said, <laughs> Sorry, with confidence, <laughs> it's definitely pronounced Jeff. Well, I thought you said to me, it- G-E-O-F-F, which would be Jeff, but you're right, that is Joff, I apologise. Yeah. Wow, thanks very much for Sorry, that. Sorry, at the first time. I wonder if it, is Joff like a shortened version of something? Joffrey? I guess, yeah. I mean, Joffrey Winterheart is quite, you know, <laughs> quite bold, pair mate. of red trousers. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, keep going, sorry. That's right. Uh, so, originally published in 2012 by Jonathan Cape. It was up for the Costa Book Award nominee for novel. Uh, Which was same. a big deal, because it was one of the first comics ever to be nominated. I wouldn't say it was a novel. No, no, but that's, that's, what's, that's what's interesting about it, the fact that it's okay. been nominated for a book prize. Yeah. Uh, this is debut debut graphic novel. Uh, his follow-up was Driving Short Distances. Uh, the official blurb describes it as... A tale of single parenting and heavy metal. When, some, when someone look, looks back and writes a history of this summer, two people they'll almost certainly leave out are Sue and Daniel Bagnold. Uh, 
So begins Joff Winterheart's sublimely funny and perceptive graphic novel, Days of the Bad and Old Summer. Sue 52 works in the library, Daniel 15 is still at school. This was a summer holiday Daniel was due to spend with his father and his father's pregnant new wife in Florida. When they cancel his trip, Sue and Daniel face six long weeks together. Joff Winterheart perfectly captures the ennui, the tension, the pathos, and yes, the affection of this mother-son relationship. Uh, already well known for his animated films like Vi uh, Violet and Turquoise, here, here he shows himself to be a comics author of extraordinary talent. And he's uh, in Bristol as well, if I read correctly. Oh, very interesting, okay. Um, I wasn't familiar with his um, like animations or anything. Me neither. Yeah. And we can we can say all his comics are in the very annoying landscape, you know, sizing, <laughs> very awkward. I like the landscape. I mean, I read it on Kindle. I think yeah. we got, me and Ellie both did, and it yeah. works nicely. Uh, so, it is meant as a retailer. I hated landscape books. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, as a retailer, I hated anything that wasn't like a standard format. Anything <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't shelve properly. Yeah. Um, uh, the comic opens introducing us to Sue and Daniel as they're shopping for a pair of shoes for him to wear to Sue's cousin's wedding. Uh, the comic is broken down to six panel vignettes which build up the picture of the six weeks they spend together. Um, subsequently that is broken down into like subchapters week one. Uh, so looking through it, uh, week one opens with Daniel's new Daniel's father's new wife, Bernie, calls to cancel his Florida visit, using their new baby as an excuse. Sue reflects on her dad, an American GI, uh, having left when she was young, and how her husband also left her for America. Daniel fantasizes about having a band called Skull Slayer, uh, which is like the most teenage boy thing I've ever heard. It's a great name. <laughs> and I uh, love the, sorry, the photos of like the, the fake poster and book photos. Yeah, like he's like drawing like uh, posters for it and like logo designs, which is yeah. such like a, a teenage sketching over his uh, homework books. Sue says Daniel has to get a job, a summer job. And while he's looking at wanted ads, he sees a notice for a metal band looking for a singer. We then meet his friend Kai and Sue's sister's Carol. While Daniel is at Kai's, Sue listens to her old records and reminisces about her past. Kai talks about how <laughs> Kai talks about how going ice skating with his cousin, who is a girl, so that counts as a date. Yes, of course. Daniel finds his teacher, Mr. Porter's number in Sue's purse. Then we are introduced to their dog, Maisie. Daniel visits the garage where the band is playing and Sue considers calling Mr. Porter. Ellie pulled a very sad face when I mentioned the dog. We'll get into that, I'm sure. It's a very difficult for me, I'm not going to lie. Moving into the second week, uh, they go shoe shopping once again and have the same argument over how Daniel just wants to wear trainers. They sit across from a goth girl and her dad as they have lunch. Once at home, Daniel overhears his mum crying behind a closed door. Daniel and, and Kai discuss the band while Sue and Kai's mum make small talk. Daniel and Sue go to dinner for her birthday where they see Mr. Porter out with another one of da uh, Daniel's classmates' mums. Uh, they then go to a book signing with Kai. Moving into week three, while Daniel is with Kai, she finds while Daniel is with Kai, she finds a guitar in Daniel's room and thinks about when she tried to play. She mentions to Daniel her American father. She realizes that she lucked out in keeping her ex-husband's last name rather than her father's Sneed. While Daniel is in the tub, he comes up with an album cover for Skull Slayer. <laughs> they discuss ridiculous baby names of his father's new baby. Kai and Daniel, Daniel go drinking together. Sue has to help him when he comes home drunk. Week four, 
Daniel ignores a mess that the dog has made and leaves it for his mum to clean up. Daniel is embarrassed by Kai being shirtless when they hang out. <laughs> got like this really like concave like. I know. I remember kids having that. Yeah. That's yeah, like it's, as a teenager. It's heartbreaking because Kai seems like way too confident, but it's a shame <laughs> that, he, uh, that Daniel doesn't feel he should be. Uh, Sue and Daniel argue about the shoes again and she brings up the drinking. Kai makes Daniel visit the band and he runs away in embarrassment. Yeah. It's re- revealed that they're a bunch of little kids. <laughs> Uh, week five, uh, Daniel is hiding in his room after his fight with Kai, and Sue worries about him. Sue and Daniel go for fish and chips and watch TV together. She constantly embarrasses Daniel when they're out. Sue thinks about her parents not wanting her being friends with the boy. They have a big fight, but then the dog gets sick, and they stare with him. Is it her, is it her in the book and him in the... I can't remember. I know they changed his name. Yeah. That was uh, Maisie in the book and then Riley in the film. Riley, that's it, yeah. Um, until he sadly dies. Uh, they bond a bit over this and Daniel decides to go and see Kai. And lastly, week six. Six. six <laughs> week six. Uh, Sue, reflects on, uh, Sue reflects on Mark, whom she thought would be her boyfriend, committing a robbery and then killing himself. Daniel runs into the band and they ask him to come over. Sue gets a haircut from her sister and Daniel chats with his cousin Katie. He then auditions for the band and they let him join. Sue gets a Reiki massage from Kai's mum and has a good cry. Sue and Daniel get ready to go for the wedding. And that's where we end their summer. I mean, it was kind of hard to write out because it's just these little vignettes. It's just like, see, you know, a little scene at a time. Yeah, yeah. No, like, it's a slow build of a narrative rather than a story. Because each page is like a different tiny little event building up to this. Summer. Which I which I really liked actually. Um, yeah. I thought it was. I was really impressed by how much the narrative he built just using that as the formula. There wasn't any time where it over overran and it was two pages worth. It was always that same mm. formula and structure. Um, but it all, always felt quite interesting and fresh and little details planted throughout that kind of pulled you through. Um, I think that kind of is like. As a kid, when you look back on like your summer holidays, that's kind of I how you remember it. That. Like you do just remember like the key events. Yeah. Because look, as an adult, unless you are a teacher or you work in education, you don't ever get those six weeks again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and you don't remember things that way. You just remember that tiny little moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Versus you know the transition between all those moments. Yeah. 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 And it, you know, it's kind of the way he does comics. I suppose it's, you know, if you're in animation, how you do storyboarding, but also like a newspaper. Yeah, you know, it's you know. very much like a newspaper strip. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you're like, it's the daily strip of what happens that day, like the big moment of that day or whatever they do. Yeah. Even if it's just watching TV and eating fish and chips, it's that event. It's interesting because it's kind of a quarantine story, almost. Because they've been like forced to just spend the summer together where neither of them, that's what they were really expecting to do. So it's them kind of muddling along. <laughs> a lot of time, in, yeah, I guess. Being forced to spend time with family, you perhaps hadn't expected to. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I found it like kind of melancholy, but really sweet, you know. Nothing like really happen happens. There are moments. I like sort of the idea of these little scuffles they have with each other, which I think, I think, you know, everyone in this room, we have divorced parents and sort of have dealt with like this single parent situation. So, and the disappointments of which parent you get to be with or where you are during the summer and, you know, 
your how your your family kind of shuffles you around, but and you don't really have a choice in it. Kind of how depressing that can be, and you can see why he is that way. Yeah, no, totally. You can see, but that's what's really great about it because it is these limited vignettes, and you don't get like heaps of dialogue or anything. But he builds lots of moments where you can see, like, even when they're arguing, you can see the kind of care and affection they have for each other, and you can see how they kind of they can rub each other the wrong way slightly because they've they've tried a bit too hard or not quite enough um yeah it's i think because you get it from both sides like when you're a teenager you never respect or empathize with what your parents going through you're just like oh fuck's sake mom like and that is but then to have it both together sort of woven together it gives you yeah that kind of 360 experience of it that you probably didn't have as a kid. So like a lot of it, you're right, I was really kind of found relatable. But then when you see like poor sad Sue, you're like, oh, she's just trying her best. Mm. Like, that's like the kind of the takeaway, isn't it? Like everyone's just trying their best, but it's never yeah. as good as they feel it should be. And also it's interesting because we say like, oh, nothing happens, but like a birth happens, a death happens, mm-hmm. a wedding happens, like, yeah. But we think of it as just like everyday life because like it's not big exciting people or like anything crazy but like that's what most of life is. Yeah I like the sort of suburbia setting and Mm. them sort of like cycling around the neighborhood I really Mm. enjoyed and I like that you know they also have so much in common that they don't realize and I think they kind of see it eventually as she sort of drops little bits about her past and sort of they both have these unfulfilled lives and they're both sort of dreamers and and they sort of you know eventually develop some sort of sympathy for each other and understanding that as he she sees more about like his fantasy about being in a band and things like that uh, and her mentioning her ex and her dad leaving her I don't know if she she doesn't mention to him about his name is Mark in the comic about that the young boy that she had sort of a relationship with who killed himself. She mentions him slightly in the movie. She she doesn't really give much way about him in the book. It's quite... No, you you get more of it in the film, I think. Yeah, you you do. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I think the emotion was really there and just their sort of little bits of dialogue. And I, you know, I really enjoyed like when she's talking to Kai's mother and you see you know the other teenagers as well in the background and just like him trying to shrink himself down when he sees other kids i mean it just all of us did that i think to some degree yeah. <laughs> like just my favorite bit about it like the most accurate bit is his like properly greasy hair oh like, yeah not super greasy like actually teenage greasy yeah. And I was just like, yes. Oh, I bet he smelled so bad. <laughs> just, oh, it must have been a nightmare. Like, did, did not use deodorant. And just that, you know, the sort of overly confident friend that you have that you kind of just follow around. Yeah. And, yeah, you just don't know how to come out of your shell. And yeah, her sort of trying to bond with him over music and things like that, I thought was great. And what did you think of the artwork for it? I liked it. I, don't, I mean, I don't read a lot of graphic novels, so I don't have a lot of, like, strong opinions either way. But I found it really easy to read and process, and, yeah, like, I just enjoyed it overall, I guess. Um, I thought it was great cartooning. Um, again, when you're doing six-panel comics, the fact that you can do so much emotion with, with like, black-and-white line work, like, all the faces, facial expressions are really good. You can always tell who the, which who the characters are. You can kind of 
tell how they're feeling, what they're thinking, which I think is why you can mm. build such a good narrative with limited dialogue and like not really caption boxes or anything. A lot of it is just in the in the beats between what they're saying. Um, the cartooning does so much heavy lifting. Um, I like I like the cartooning a lot. Well, I like that it's like a bit wonky and a bit squiggly, and it's. It, it kind of moves almost. The sort of lines are these like little really itty bitty stringy yeah. kind of lines. Yeah, yeah, very, very much so, very much so. Looks a little staticky. Yeah, um, no, that's the word. Um, um, which which I like a lot. And I think I think the art style plays into what you were saying about it feeling like a like a newspaper, like a daily or weekly yeah. newspaper. That feels like the exact kind of style. Even the black and white print of it. Is, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, no, it, it kind of feels like someone reflecting on, like, you know, it's their diaries, like, reflecting on those highlights of that one summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just the sort of memories of certain conversations flashing through your mind. Yeah. It's kind of, uh, it's what every uh, slice of life webcomic wants to be. Yeah. <laughs> like, they all want to be that that level. And I feel like it came out just, I think, a bit too early for what is web comics now as well as like Instagram comics, but it would have, I felt, feel like would have worked really well on that t- format too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. If someone was doing like a weekly post of that sort of thing, I think that would do amazing. I mean, who, so who do you think this comic is for? I think everyone could read something and get something out of it, but in terms of actual target audience, I don't know. Mm. I think it's for him. Like it's, his, it's based on his, story right it's got some elements of autobiographical i mean maybe as far as being a teenage boy i hadn't read anything about him i've completely Mm. made that up but i just assumed because it felt really intimate and really no yeah but maybe i don't know i'll google while you discuss yeah um it it feels like the perfect um it's like the perfect gateway comic i think for someone who's been reading kind of like the genre stuff um and wants something like a bit more, a bit more like novelistic, something a bit more like a prime time, maybe not drama, but like like a like a BBC or Channel Four like drama comedy thing, like a catastrophe or something. It feels like it's of that ilk. Um, it feels like it, it feels like you could easily recommend it for anyone. Yeah. I think, of, of a certain age, I think, weirdly, I think 50, a 15-year-old would need to be the right 15-year-old to get something I don't think out. teenagers would naturally gravitate towards this. Yeah, I think the right, the right ones would get a lot out of it. But yeah, it feels like late teens, early 20s. Yeah. Um, no, I think you just need a bit of, because it's meant to sort of reflect on that period yeah. Either as a parent or as a teenager, having had like those type of awkward relationships with our parents. Yeah, yeah. He is in a band. Oh, maybe. I mean, it could be like semi autobiographical. I've really um, read between the lines there. I don't think we can actually assume that. But he is in a band. He plays drums. It felt, um, and, and maybe this is just me imprinting on it, it felt like a very British. Mm. Oh, completely. Super British story. No, I agree. I mean, do you think like the general teenager behavior is well Western anyway, in the sense? Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, but I think a lot of the touchstones were very 
very British. Like, especially the whole, like, Florida being like this. Oh, God. It yeah. was my dream when I was a teenager to go to Florida. <laughs> and we couldn't afford it. And all my friends got to go and go to, like, Disney and Universal. Yeah. And I, like, honestly, to this day, if someone says, do you want to go to Florida? I'm like, yes. Because <laughs> it was just that, like, other world. And I've been to America now, but I haven't been to Florida. And it's like... Well, it's burning right now, so don't. About it. You can't, I mean, you, you missed your opportunity. You can't go now. Well, I know. We were meant to be going to New York earlier this year, and that's all, yeah. you know, that shit creek now. You know, they're just going to push it up, Florida off into the ocean, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, the more I learn about Florida, the more I'm not sure I want to go there, but. Yeah, I mean, when I went, when it wasn't on fire, I loved it, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of odd that, well, I found it odd that he would, like, want to go to Florida because he doesn't seem like a kid. I mean, I suppose he more wants to be with his dad and, like, to experience something different from his mother because he... It's, like, like a cool story to say you did something in the summer, like, when you yeah. go back to school and everyone's like, what did you do? Yeah. If someone said, oh, I went to Florida, I'd be like, oh, I'm so jealous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't have to say what you did in Florida. Wait, no, do, no, we, no. do we get the name of the baby in the comic? His sister? Oh, I can't remember if we do. We'll find I don't think so. What week is it? I forget. I mean, I think he gets he gets the call that right. His dad had the baby, right? Yeah, he does. Baby, here we go. I think they just joke about it. Yeah, they just like call it, you know, Brooke or Brady or whatever. Yeah, no, they don't. Okay, it's fine. Just thinking about changes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think overall, you know. I think it's very cleverly written. I like the sort of punchlines of the conversations and it's very relatable as well as sort of the side characters, which are Mm. sort of the same we'll talk about are the same in the film and the sort of awkwardness of everything at that age. And just as a single parent, you know, trying to have something in common with a teenager is very difficult. (laughs) Hence why she's crying all the time because the stress of like, you know, not understanding your kid or what he wants and he doesn't know what he wants and doesn't know how to communicate to you. Yeah. The, the writings um, of a calibre that is often a bit lacking in comics, where I think if you, out of context, if you just showed me dialogue, I'd know who was saying it without having to see the visuals. Okay. Uh, which I think is really like, I think the fact that you can give each character a distinct voice like that is really hard to do in comics. There's a lot of comics that I really like, but if you showed me dialogue out of context, I'd be hard pressed to tell you mm. which character said it. Whereas I feel like this, they all felt like, even like smaller characters like Kai and Kai's mum yeah. had like distinct kind of cadences and vocabularies and styles of speaking, which made them stand out. Um, which I think is really impressive. You haven't just got to rely on like, oh yeah, that's obviously Daniel because he's got the mm. lion. <laughs> no it, it did feel like every because there there wasn't that many the sort of cast of people is quite mm. small because it's sort of they have a small world so it's not and it's not the world it's just this, this tiny little bubble yeah and they're just so well thought out but it, it which is i think even more impressive for how short it was and how much you got about it and how you can as a reader even see them beyond the visual aspect of the comic. Yeah, yeah. yeah I read it in one sitting. Like, it yeah. was, it's really, really quick. Yeah, well, and it kind of, it would have been, I think it would be kind of fun, to, it would have been fun to have it, or just interesting as a concept, if it was actually serialized in a newspaper, would people engage with it? Just like a daily strip? 
Yes, mm. depends which newspaper. Because I'm just thinking, like, if I just read a page at a time on its own, would it work? For me, for me, it definitely would. Mm. Because I think, I think it might lose some people because they might think that they were these kind of one and done things, which they are. They are kind of standalone scenes. But like, once you put two or three alongside each other, there really is like a a pull through. Like you really are following these these characters uh, through their summer. Like you really are seeing kind of things change and grow and evolve. And like, like as I was saying, like it's just like normal life things that you don't really think about as like change or progress. Mm. But so much does happen that's like directly impacting their life over that summer. Like you said, like a death, a new baby. Yeah. Even just Sue having a big cry, like that could be a massive cathartic moment in her life. Yeah, yeah. But it just seems like part of her summer. Like, she goes for a Reiki massage, that's a big deal. She's yeah. never done that before. Even like Kai and Daniel, they, like having their like little fight and making up, like yeah. their friendship has like changed and evolved over this summer. But it's like, there's, I can't remember the saying, but the, the saying's like life's ha what's happening when you're not looking. Or so, it's something yeah, like yeah. that, I can't remember. But like, yeah. yeah. But that's, that really feels true to this. And as well, I mean, that's a great way to put it because it's, it's the little things that Sue and Daniel are doing for themselves that they don't realize are actually improving their lives and themselves, but it's the tiny little actions they're taking that are just making, gonna make things better because, mm -hmm. it, you know, it starts out, they're not in the greatest place and then they end up and it's just, they've, you know, they've just grown that little bit more that, you know, hopefully mm -hmm. will help with their relationship and just be a little bit happier. Get one at the end. Yeah, I kind of want. I just wanted to get a puppy at the end. Oh, but then that would be like replacing. But maybe a new puppy because it's like a new life. It's not the dog that the dad yeah. got them. It's a dog they chose for themselves. True. Maybe that's book two. Yes. Adventures of the puppy. Days of puppy. You know, fall. Or <laughs> There's something in there somewhere. I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. So to the film. So it was directed, well, unless, wait, do you have anything else to say about the comic? Sorry. Uh, no, I think yeah. we can start discussing yep. it in contrast. So directed by Simon Burge, which is very well known from the Inbetweeners. Mm -hmm. This was his first feature film. He did a short film, sort of 10 minutes long. I didn't have a chance to watch it called Ernestine and Kit. And then it was adapted by his wife, Lisa Owens. And she's a writer. She's went to university for writing and wrote a book called Not Working, which was published in 2016. So I, you know, for both of them, kind of the first of them attempting at anything like this, which kind of gives an interesting perspective to it. Very small budget. I didn't find it, but it's sort of an indie flick. It was produced by Stigma Films, Trigger Films, Storyhouse, in particular Crowd. It stars Monica Dolan as Sue Bagnold, who was in W1A, she's done some Black Mirror, Vanity Fair, A Very English Scandal, God's Own Country, The Casual Vacancy, Wolf Hall. So essentially every BBC TV <laughs> show she has been in. She's one of those faces you see everywhere, but you wouldn't necessarily know her name, but like you just feel like you know her from somewhere, yeah. you know? Well, I think it just lends itself to her being like kind of a character actor, because when I looked at like her photo on IMDb, I was, I would not recognize her, I don't think, no. at all. So then Earl Cave, who plays Daniel, and I'm really happy I didn't know he was Nick Cave's son until after. Oh, do you know? No, I, I knew going in. 
okay. They, I, I watched it with um, sort of the people from the house, and Tony told me, it's like, interesting, yeah, Nick Cave's son. I was like, oh, I didn't even collect that, but, you know, nepotism. <laughs> so he's been in Born to Kill. He was in an episode of The End of the Fucking World. Hmm. I don't know which one. So uh, he was also in True History of the Kelly Gang, which was one of the potential choices for book club. Yeah, so. I remember. And he's in the upcoming Alex Ryder TV show. Okay. So it'll be interesting. Very different vibe. Then Rob Brydon, the well-known comedian, really need to sell him, plays Douglas Porter, Elliot Speller Gillett, who plays Kai, who's been, the only acting credit he really had was Uncle, when I looked it up. Then Tamsin Gregg, who plays Astrid, who everyone knows, who's <laughs> brilliant. And Alice Lowe, who plays Carol, Sue's sister. So interestingly, I look it up, it was shot in Bromley, by the way. That was the sort of suburb. Originally, actually, he wanted to shoot it in the area he grew up in, but it's like off the M25, and apparently it's more expensive. So they went for Bromley. And the complete soundtrack is by Bell and Sebastian, if you didn't notice while watching it. A original composition for the film. So interject as we go along. So we open up at a shopping mall where they're trying to pick out a pair of shoes for the wedding of Sue's cousin Judith, who they mentioned saved him from choking on a Lego. There, they go to sort of a calf to eat, and there's a, I mentioned that because it runs throughout the film, is that Daniel's having a slice of cake and his mom, you know, always wants a bite, but he's like, no frosting, I do not share the frosting, which in my mind is the worst bit. The cake bit is the best. You are mistaken. Yeah, <laughs> no! Yeah, that's, you'll get the best you that. All the frosting you want. <laughs> so they debate about potential baby names for his dad's new kid and sort of make fun of cheesy American names. In the car, they talk about him going to Florida and sort of what he'll do. And then they get home and we meet Riley, which is the name of the dog in the film. So I just need to mention, I mean, and we can talk about it as we go along, but the shots of these scenes and particularly that shot where you see the layers of the the pink sort of main room and then the floral pattern and then to the outside of like the suburb like you're looking through the door as Mm -hmm. they're walking through I just was so beautiful and I was like gushing over that I thought I thought the cinematography was incredible yeah throughout um I thought it looked really great and was shot beautifully but never like pulled focus it never never felt showy or over the top but always felt really deliberate and wonderfully put together just the set design in general as well the sort of it was just perfect for what you know they were trying to portray bringing to life this sort of british suburbia yeah so then Bernie, his dad's new wife, calls and she cancels him coming to Florida because they're about to have a baby. And, you know, he's clearly sort of upset about it. Then, so instead of... Such a shitbag move, making yeah. the new wife... Oh, yeah, rather than him doing it. What a douche dad. Like, yeah. he, he just... It's not worth your time, kid. I wish he'll learn as an adult, I think, but... <laughs> 
right now he's just disappointed he's stuck with his mom for the entire summer doing nothing yeah i think all the shots you know even when they're in the mall and they're going up the sort of escalators in the opening scene it just so beautiful then instead of saying like week one week two they have sort of different these title sequences and the first one's early days and we open with a shot of the laundry which you have the laundry lines and then you have the pink clothes and the black clothes <laughs> going along each other with, with perfect just parallel of the two of them so daniel's in his friend kai's bedroom purple the purple and green <laughs> <laughs> of his bedroom a lot of you know sort of specific color choices kai's shirtless of course and he's you know lifting away you know developing those muscles and then he has this sort of very slash style hat that he's wearing. And you see Daniel doodling the skull slayer uh, on his arm. And he sort of talks about, you know, wanting to be a front man of a band. And then you see Sue downstairs waiting for him. And he, she's chatting with Kai's mom. Who, what was her name again? Do you guys remember? It was, I just said it, Tamsin's name, Astrid, Astrid. Which isn't, you don't know her name in the comic. So she's chatting to Astrid. And she's getting sort of like really restless and awkward with her uh, as she's talking to her and she's sort of screaming for Daniel to come down. And then you skip to shots of these like really sad little kids faces and you pan out and you see Sue reading to them in the library, which is where she works. And you kind of get this panning shot of her milling about the book stacks. Then Sue gets home and she and Daniel have a fight about him being lazy. He's just sort of sitting about all day and then he screams at her and calls her a bitch and, you know, kind of rants about how he's supposed to be in floor with his dad, but then he's with her. And then she, you know, kind of walks away and then wakes him up and tells him, you're going to get a job. So... Then you move back to the library and you see Mr. Porter and Sue. They uh, run into each other. Mr. Porter is uh, his teacher, history teacher, I think, or something. And yeah. they have this nice little banter. And then he asks her out, which she's very surprised by. Daniel applies for a job at a carpet shop, clothing shop, baby store, gym, and then soda slash diner. <laughs> None of them, you know, particular to his skills, but, you know, he does actually try. And then they, he's at home after that, and they have another fight. He's close this time. And I like the line about how she, she says to him that they would sort of judge him based on his clothes, and he says that would be discrimination. And then she says it isn't discrimination, it's just common sense. <laughs> so he's like walking in the hall and then he hears her crying at night and then he the next day he goes to a corner shop and then he sees the ad for a singer for a band he's hanging out with kai later and they're playing video games and he tells him about this band that he's going to be a front man for and sue's been chatting with kai's mom again she makes the comment uh, comment about liking her bangles you know all of this is very on par with the comic so far and she then decides to call Mr. Porter in the evening but Daniel at the same time tries to call the band and overhears them talking and becomes really awkward and then he runs away and then he tries to talk she tries to talk to him about it but then he just kind of gets 
grossed out. Her sister Carol comes over and her daughter as well and Daniel and her cousin sort of hang out and her cousin's rambling on about dating an older man and he's sort of just sitting there being super awkward and doesn't really know what to say. Carol gives Sue a haircut and sort of really tries to push her to go out and how she doesn't really do anything for herself. And she mentions this boy that she had been keen on when she was younger. He sort of, you have this shot where of him sort of cycling through the suburbs and you really get kind of a view of this. It's kind of like a desert almost view of the suburbs with the sun beaming down on him. And he goes to the band where the band is playing and like listens to them through the garage door. And then at home, his mom then calls Mr. Porter for a date and leaves a message. Her ex then calls to tell Daniel that he's had a baby girl. And after that, Kai and Daniel go to the cinema and they start drinking and talking about Mr. Porter and what would happen if her, his mom starts dating. And then Daniel comes home drunk and Sue helps him when he gets sick and he's vomiting in the toilet, which I quite loved. I don't think my parents would do that. <laughs> Well, my parents had to do that many times. Really? <laughs> not, not necessarily being sick, but like coming home in that state and like them having to put me to bed or like I came home in someone else's clothes. Were, like just really, yeah. Introducing yourself in the third person. Yeah. <laughs> They're all their friends. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really I, Daniel. I was pretty good at hiding it. I don't think they, yeah. I mean, they knew I would like drink sometimes, but I don't think I ever came home to them. They were already asleep usually. <laughs> I would sneak home. I wasn't that clever. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I really like that, and again, very little sort of changes, except for like when he's looking for the job. It's slightly different. I don't know what else? I mean, yeah, and I think kind of the scene of him hanging out with Kai. So then the next section is called Salad Days. So Sue goes on, out on a date with Mr. Porter and then this whole thing of him making her share food. And then when he goes, mm, I think I made the right decision when he takes a bite out of her fit. Oh. Such a douche. And then she like goes to the bathroom and she's for some reason excited about being out with this man and sort of unbuttons her top. And well, suggested just one button, and she mentions about what her last name Bagnold is better than her former last name of Sneed. Though, because her dad was American, would be an American last name in theory, and Sneed, I don't think, would necessarily be an American last name. Daniel then sees them making out in the back of the cab when they're coming home. And the sister, Carol, comes over the next day and they discuss the date and how she's now a sex fiend. <laughs> <laughs> they, she goes up to the attic and she's sort of going through all these photo albums reflecting on her past and finds a picture of the boy she had um, sort of dated when she was younger. And Daniel goes upstairs to say that the dog got sick in his shoe and then gets mad at her because he notices all the photos that she, he thinks he, she was sort of hiding from him. Then Kai sort of tricks Daniel to go see the band and then they open the garage door and see it's a bunch of kids and then Daniel runs away sort of in embarrassment, the whole situation. 
And this is kind of this blow up between the two of them. Hugh leaves a message for Mr. Porter and they go to the mall again to try and find shoes and they can't find anything and they go to have dinner. And he, one, he's sitting next to his mom. He sees across from him, the, the same vignette of the panel of him seeing the goth girl and her dad. Kai tries to come over. Danny doesn't want to see him. And she, you know, sort of trying to force his bonding experience because she realizes he's depressed and wants to get him out of the house and asks him to go to the seaside with her. I don't know if they mentioned where it was. The no, I don't think it could so. have been any generic British seaside. <laughs> yeah. uh, and they walk along the boardwalk. They eat at this little cafe. Go on the beach and skip stones, which I definitely remember doing. They go to a fudge making demonstration, where of course Daniel gets picked to go up, where they make him wear a hairnet, and he's made fun of mercifully. Can I just say that man? is like so unrealistically rude can you imagine it like if i was watching i feel like i would step in and be like what the fuck are you doing i know it was the comedic effect but i was like surely no one actually behaves like this like you did go a bit far i don't know i I do agree i do agree yeah yeah i I don't know i get the point for like the cinematic effect but i don't think anyone would just be rude you can totally make fun of him but like more subtly yeah, you know what yeah, i mean like, you could just, like they could have been like little sly digs rather than just overt horribleness yeah so then they drive back and then carol this her sister comes over again and they have sort of another chat about the kids and i like where they're she's complaining about her daughter being out all the time and then she complains about Daniel being depressed and at home and they're like let's swap <laughs> then the dad sends a letter to announce that the baby sister is born whose name is ba- M- M- Miley Joe. <laughs> the husband really makes it yeah and Daniel takes a long bath and she googles teenagers taking long bath which I feel like would be a dangerous road down google (laughs) (laughs) I would not recommend it so then we're on to the next section called dog days and we start off with Sue meeting in a cafe with Kai's mom Astrid to discuss Daniel and sort of the issues with him and Astrid is sort of well you need to deal with your issues first and she offers her a Reiki massage for 25% off to note <laughs> then their dog Riley gets sick and then they spend the night staying up with him and sort of bond and chat and he passes away and then he goes to the park and has a drink and I think it's an energy drink but I don't know or is it an alcoholic drink? I couldn't really tell what the can was to like psych himself up. I don't remember thinking it was booze. No, I mean, I think it probably was like a monster or something. Yeah, something yeah, revolting. yeah. Like a teenage boy energy drink, yeah. Yeah. So then he psychs himself up to go to the band to audition for the frontman role. And I, I loved when he's talking to these kids who are like a foot shorter than him. It's kind of like nervousness of not really being able to look at them while he's trying to talk to them. So he auditions and they chat and gets the job essentially. Then you have this scene, it sort of cuts away to Sue taking the dog bed bed out and 
just sort of, oh, hey, Tom is coming in. Oh. I'll leave another. Let's see what he has to say for himself. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Am I late? <laughs> just one hour <laughs> one hour exactly uh, oh one hour exactly in that case it's a time zone difference <laughs> i was confused because i thought you were in one hour that way sorry welcome do you want me to keep going <laughs> no, no, no no keep going so we i was just uh summarizing the film and we are at the no, I lost my place. God damn it. Um, we're at the section where, so she goes to get a Reiki massage and has her nice big cry in front of Astrid and Astrid sort of comforts her. So then there's the big birthday. They go out to, you know, this fancy restaurant for Sue's birthday. And I, I quite like that she uh, insulted him and said, you know, bread and more bread, question mark, when she was just having pasta and pasta for her <laughs> dishes. <laughs> so Daniel sees Mr. Porter on the other side having dinner with another woman and then kind of, I kind of, I liked how he sort of suddenly lit up and was like trying to distract his mom and like knocked her, his glass over on her. But then she sees what's happening and she kind of, and then she gets up and calls out Oh, you're, you know, so-and-so's mom. Well, I am Daniel Pagnold's mom, <laughs> which is great. And then cue montage, getting your shit together scenes. <laughs> so Daniel tries to play the guitar or air guitar, I would say. Yeah, more air than actual. And Sue decides to go do some yoga. Daniel and Kai are hanging out with the band, designing their logo. Sue gives Daniels the sneakers he wanted to wear to wear to the wedding. And then the next se section is called These Days. And Daniel washes his hair. <laughs> Honestly, never been so happy as when I watched that. I don't <laughs> How are these parents not telling their kids or teaching them hygiene? But I just think they won't do it. Like, you can't physically, especially when they're that age, you can't physically wash his hair for him. Like, if he's like, no, I'm not doing it. What but can you do? Who enjoys having greasy hair? I was hair? putting butter in my head to try and make it form more dreadlocks. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Butter and backcombing. Oh. So bad. Is but it's not curdle. Someone told me grease would help, so butter it was. Yeah, Wait, just... You're recording this, right? This is going yeah. to be internet for posterity? Okay. Pretend I didn't say the butter thing. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, the milestone of him washing his hair, and then you have this sort of scene of them in the kitchen being super cute together in their fancy dress. And then you go to the wedding where Daniel is chatting with his cousin and then another girl. There's this whole bit, which was funny, but I don't really know why it was funny of him stealing, well, asking for the chicken from both of them. Are you <laughs> eating that? Oh, and just takes this like huge lump of chicken from his cousin's yeah. plate. And then you end with Daniel and Sue sitting on a pair of chairs while everyone else is dancing. Because, you know, we're not dancers. And they're sharing a cake slice and he lets her have the frosting. The, the growth. So much growth. I mean, completely different person. So, I mean, I felt like the film was just like having a nice cup of tea. Just really, really I agree. I really enjoyed both the book and the film. 
just like real easy watching slice of life like yeah nice just nice yeah the banter was great they were so i mean the chemistry between the two of them i thought was really brilliant just like when they're in the car together chit-chatting and it just they really bounce off each other really well yeah i thought all the performances were good honestly i thought they were all great for the characters everyone kind of worked with each other and off of each other um yeah I really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was one of the uh, one of the best adaptations we've done. Um, and even though it's interesting because it's so, I'm pretty much everything is from the comic. It's more that they cut things out to make it slightly more of a structural narrative for a film. Yeah, all they really all they really add is they flesh out her relationship with the teacher, and they so, cut out her flashbacks to her. Um. And the, the, I don't, was the beach from the book as well? No. Yeah, no. the beach was near. I think that was, like, I don't think that took anything away from me. That was quite a nice addition for a film to yeah. have a bit more of a journey and, like... Yeah, totally. Tom, have you done book and film or just film? Just film. Okay. So you can interject as we're talking about this. What did you think? Yeah, just... <clears throat> um, I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm necessarily the audience for this film. How to build a girl Tom loves. <laughs> Days of bad old summer, he doesn't think he's the audience. You're the most confusing man I've ever met, Tom. Such <laughs> a contradiction. Both like slice of life, coming of age stories. This is No, I could I can see my my take was that it was a very artfully observed, fairly subtle slice of life. I'm not sure I'm not sure it's a slice of life I was particularly interested in. Um, and possibly I, I was just a bit too close to, it was a bit too painfully close in terms of, oh yeah, I remember being a terrible teenager. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that's what I enjoyed about it though, like that yeah, nostalgia yeah, yeah. and like, yeah, that really worked for me. Well, yeah, I just, I, I didn't dislike it, I just didn't like it. I, I was just ambivalent about it, so I just don't think I was the audience for it. Because I was thought it was quite, some very funny poignant observations just like the scene in the car when they're trying to listen to each other's music and I remember I just re I remember being in the car with my mom or my dad and I'd like want to play my music and then they'd like try to sing along and see if they could get into it <laughs> <laughs> I think there's like a particular one where my mom was like trying to I think sing along to uh what's the Rihanna like S and M song that she did. <laughs> <laughs> it's like puppet. No. <laughs> Just like those moments, and it's sort of you kind of have to have a sense of humor when thinking about that stuff. Because I, you know, we were all awful to some degree. You know, our parents were really only trying their best that they could do mm -hmm. under the circumstances. Nothing. What about, I mean, when you point out like the set design, the cinematography, I think is really stunning. Words, not facial expressions. Express yourself. You are not a 15 year old boy. I like the little kids in the band. Yes. <laughs> there we go. That's good. Very School of Rock. <laughs> they were really good, actually. I mean, as musicians, from what I could hear through the garage door. That was not them playing. Oh, really? Oh, no, I'm disappointed. You never actually see them playing, yeah. though. Yeah. So I highly, there would be no reason a bunch of, like, 
10 year olds. Uh, yeah, could, could like play it. that well. Yeah. <laughs> really impressive. Um, I don't think they would just be in that film if they were playing that well. But also, like, the Bell and Sebastian, you know, original soundtrack for the film. What was it? I do like the moments of, like, heavy metal riffs that are sort of interjected throughout. Yeah. The, I, I yeah. The, the counterpoint with the heavy metal riffs works quite well and, and occasionally offset it from being too... Twee. Twee is definitely... What were you about to say, Sean? No, no, I was, I was going to agree. I, um, I like the fact that they, they did kind of interject with other, other little riffs and pieces of music and kind of built through it. Um, Balan Sebastian was kind of like the connective tissue of the whole thing. Um, but I mean, I, I like Balan Sebastian, so I, um, I didn't mind listening to 90 minutes of Balan Sebastian. <laughs> Well, also, I'm pretty sure the licensing of a Metallica song would be the entire budget. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we know Lars Ulrich isn't down with people using it without licensing it properly, so. I mean, the fact that they actually had t-shirts that said Metallica on it was probably, you know, Mm. pretty impressive in itself. Because there's there's like image use as well. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know where that sits, actually. That might be fair use. Potentially. Not, not, not sure, to be So, I mean, a lot of times you couldn't actually really see what was on his t-shirt necessarily. It was just like a heavy metal-esque looking band t-shirt. I did like, I did like his refusal to be defined in any way. When, yeah. Oh, yeah, about being a goth. Like, yeah, I'm not a when his goth. cousin said something about him, like, oh, yeah, but all the goths at my school smoke weed. And he's like, I'm not a goth. She said, what are you? And he's like... I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That was good. That wasn't in the comic. I thought that was sort of, you know, I'm just me. I'm not. Yeah. And I love Tamsin Gregg talking about her son. I think she like calls him a Norse god or something. Like, doesn't he? (laughs) I thought her. You see where he gets his confidence from. Yes. (laughs) You see him and you're like, "Mm, how does that work? Um, what I found really interesting about Kai as a character in both the in both the graphic novel and the movie is um, he never says it and they don't really allude to it. But like, I can't help but think that Kai must have been so happy that Daniel didn't go to Florida. Yeah. Like, Cole, Kai's whole summer essentially. Yeah. What else? With Daniel, like. There's that scene where they had their fight and he comes round to, to call for Daniel and his mum goes upstairs and he's like, Daniel, Kai's here to see you. Do you want to see him? And he's like, no, tell him I'm not here. Kai obviously hears that entire conversation. Yeah. He stood at the door, like heartbroken and just goes, thanks, Mr. Bagnall, and leaves. And it's just like, bless him. What the fuck would he have done all summer <laughs> if Daniel was in Florida? Oh. Hang out with Astrid. Oh, wait, yeah. it would have been weightlifting, building those muscles. Yeah. Yeah. His only other plan was a date with his cousin. Like, yeah. he needs Daniel. <laughs> Though I do, like, in the comic, I love the bit about, and I don't think they did in the film where he says, like, take your shirt off, we'll attract more girls that way. The girls yeah, that's one of the things in the comic. Yeah. And, like, right. even Daniel's like, uh, you're, like, weird concave chest. I don't think anyone <laughs> wants to look at that. But like Kai's like unrelenting love of himself and just how he looks. It's quite impressive. Yeah. Um, Fake it till he makes it. Sorry? 
He's going to fake it till he makes it. Exactly. Yeah. And his his voice, it was like so deep and so what it feels posh or it sounds posh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that's kind of part of the joke as well. Like he's like trying to be this cool kind of heavy rock alternative kid, but like he lives in an incredibly nice house with his middle class mum who's like a Reiki healer. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it, it feels so perfectly like middle-class suburbia like they're like the only two heavy metal kids in town and there's that juxtaposition of them cycling around this beautiful suburban landscape decked out in all black <laughs> yeah you don't you don't in the oh no you do get to see when he's in the diner ordering food you see like a bunch of like the cool kids at a booth it sort of pans past them yeah. and they kind of just blend into the background like you know what they're just really boring you know it's kind of in the long run i think he will benefit from not being like them obviously but he doesn't seem bothered about not being popular it doesn't seem like he's like bullied or like there's no implication that he's like scared of the other kids or like a yeah, yeah. he just like isn't interested but in think, being friends with them but i think you're right i think it's that point about i don't know if it was tom or nora said it when he's talking to his cousin katie mm. and she's like so what are you then he just shrugs i think that's his whole thing is like he doesn't really know and he's just trying stuff yeah. to kind of figure out what he likes and who he is and that that's why he doesn't he's not really that bothered about the cool kids or not fitting in. Like he's kind of just liking what he likes and feeling his way around, but he oh, doesn't really help but wonder how he would have actually managed if it got to California. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like as much as much as he's kind of a fish out of water in his own landscape, he definitely would have been in Ally. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I don't know if he would have. I mean, to think about it, I'm not, I don't know if he would have enjoyed himself more because he, his summer ended up being like he is now a front man of a band. Are uh, we, we in a period? I couldn't quite figure out if we were in a period or not. Sorry? Well, is this, I couldn't quite figure out if we were in the 80s. Or if it was modern. I thought the 90s, but then I don't know if that was just because... I thought it was now, because he had a cell phone and then he was playing the PlayStation. Um, but then they had a landline and they both used it. That's what threw me. Okay. Yeah, I felt like I didn't take it as being not... Like maybe like 2010 or something, you know, a little bit older than now, but... It really had... Um, it reminded me of, of It Follows just for this... It felt very much like out of time. Like it didn't really try and date stamp itself too much. Like there's lots of things. Like there's a landline, but there's a PlayStation. Like yeah, it could be a PlayStation One. <laughs> I, I feel confident that is the only time anyone has ever said this film reminded them of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take Pretty it. I'm sure that's a unique comment on this film. <laughs> Just in that context, in the kind of no, 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 I, I like it. It's a, it's a, it's a bold, contrasting vision. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it will maybe sort of like a Ghost World esque vibe of how they never specifically reference anything happening outside mm. of their little bubble. Mm. And kind of like how to build a girl and sort of that they wanted to be timeless. Like that teenage story is not specific, you know, awkward teenagers in the nineties versus awkward teenagers in, you know, twenty tens and you know, we're always gonna be embarrassed by our parents no matter when in history 
we're talking about. Very true. Yeah, and I mean, in general, and I loved this sort of his in-color vision of the story. Clearly, he loved and felt akin to the writing and the relationship between them because he didn't necessarily change that, but just his what he saw the world look like because the comic doesn't necessarily illustrate that. That's all him, I suppose, the the team who worked on the film created that. And I just thought that added such a brilliant extra element and sort of the layering of how he filmed scenes of what was going on. I did think, I did come away thinking that however the director and the lead actor had worked together, the uh, the transition of the character was very smooth. Mm-hmm. Like there wasn't, there, it didn't feel like there were sudden jumps and you were like, oh, the actor's gone from a scene where he's playing it here to where he's playing it here in terms of this sort of gradual growth mm-hmm. and maturity. And I don't, it, it sort of felt so good. I wondered if they'd shot it in sequence. But, mm-hmm. but, on, that, but on whatever budget it had, I don't think they would have had a chance to. But it, yeah. that that genuinely felt really well done to me. Yeah, because it's all uh, we talked about in the comic as well. It's all about the tiny little things they do, the little gestures towards each other about accommodating. You know, offering her icing on the cake and things like. It's not about the big things that he's doing, and that's because you don't. People don't grow necessarily making these big gestures all the time because that would be exhausting. Just making tiny changes in your behavior to be a better person yeah, I, I think that, I think when I got to the end of the film I was like oh look he's really changed but it's only and looking back it's been happening all along but I wasn't blindingly you know it wasn't put in my face in the way often yeah yeah, yeah he didn't feel spoon fed with all the moments no you didn't feel like you've had five stages of growth and we've gone through one two three four five and you could make them very distinct it was it was a real transition which I think yeah. was very odd I think that worked as well because I think if if you ask the character Daniel he wouldn't think he had changed or grown. Like he's kind of a bit oblivious to it as well. It's just kind of happened naturally for him and Sue over the course of their summer. And you know, that's more realistic because when we were teenagers, we just didn't over one summer become a different person, no matter how much in our head we'd be like, you know, when I start the next school year, I'm going to be cool suddenly or whatever. (laughs) Oh, that didn't happen to you? (laughs) <laughs> we didn't all butter ourselves to get dreadlocks <laughs> yeah. um, maybe you had, with you let me tell you if you had our dreadlocks life might have been very very different <laughs> <laughs> I do remember a girl with like super curly hair deciding that she wanted them to be dreadlocks yeah it was not a great look I think we all got one friend who decided they thought they should have dreadlocks and yeah. they really shouldn't I think she had to like shave her head, which actually ended up being a better look for her afterwards. Oh. It looked quite good. It was a good look. And just, I, you know, they obviously had a very low budget for it, but it never felt cheap either. I don't think it needed to look expensive because the whole yeah. point of it is it's kind of everyday nature. But I think it's what you said at the start, Nora, it's about the kind of uh, the art direction they chose to go with it. Like, that artistic flair kind of elevated it. Like it didn't just feel like a, a movie shot in like two locations with a handful of characters because they had that kind of beautiful visual element to it. 
Well, and as well, like each their loca set locations, there was the house, which, you know, you had the composition of like that floral wallpaper and the, that very specific pink that they used. And I think he was able to use that space in a lot of different ways and a lot of different shots that were always interesting. So working within one very small location, but still making it seem bigger. Yeah. Which just shows a creative element. And then also you had Kai's room, which the very, you know, the purple room. And then, yeah, there's like a few little cafe scenes and things like that. So, you know, it's, it's sort of being more creative with less which I think in a lot of films you find sometimes, you know, directors in their debuts when they don't have the big budgets are when they're the most interesting and creative in their work. Yeah, yeah. Limitations don't have to be a bad thing. Yeah. You just have to have more imagination to make it feel bigger and just tell a better story. And I think, you know, for both of them, his partner who adapted it and then him directing it, to have such a fresh perspective I suppose because they're not they don't come from the film world in a traditional sense they yeah. never were I'm one of work in tv movie in that way you you felt that it was more real and not having to stick to that particular like Hollywood narrative which a lot of stories get bogged down by like we have to have this structure and that it gets so the book story gets kind of lost by that so what about it though Tom like was it not a story for you specifically you just didn't feel worked it wasn't so much that I felt anything didn't work I, I, I just wasn't all that interested okay I mean sorry but just you know it's, the subject matter wasn't something I would have selected for myself okay but you know like I'm not criticizing it I don't think it was bad I just don't think I'm the audience well yeah. I mean, I just thought, you know, what's her name again? The actress who played Sue was just such a star for me in her, her facial expressions. And I loved the fact that Monica Dolan, yeah, that she didn't, I thought they were teasing a makeover scene when Tamsin was doing, taking her glasses off. And I was so glad that she was like, she looked at herself without the glasses and then was just like, nah, just gonna be me. Similar to him in the sense that just me. You know, yeah. I'm not going to change to fill anyone's what makes them more comfortable or what yeah, they that, think. That relationship be. was always on the verge of being very painful, but it never quite became too cringing. Yeah. But there, there, were, there was a lot to like about the performances and how it was handled, for sure. And, you know, and really funny. I think, we, you know, we were laughing throughout at the them and their sort of banter and bickering and their sort of very humorous perspective on life because it isn't the lives that either of them dreamed of so this humor they found in it as well mm. that was it's one of the other things they've got in common is their kind of their sense of humor really kind of holds them together um i just like that i don't really have yeah. much done that but like i, d I yeah I don't have any criticisms, really, other than the fudge man, who I hated. Oh, yeah. Twat. <laughs> the fudge man. <laughs> yeah. The fudge man was a little bit out of, tonally a little bit out there. Mm. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. That was very original to the film. It wasn't in the comic. 
and I, I guess he's trying to like really show that teenage embarrassment in public and how just socially awkward he is. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but you could you could have got there with like less like offensive. <laughs> yeah, uh, I it as a scene, but like yeah, yeah, just, yeah, it wasn't my favorite bit. Oh well, in the comic, I suppose that scene is the scene when they go to the book signing. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. Yeah. And she's like making some jokes about the author's uh, girlfriend or whatever. And then he's like, Mom, you're embarrassing us. <laughs> Get away from what? <laughs> go, go to the other side of the room. You're not with us. She just can't do anything right, can she? Yeah. So, and I suppose, you, you know, they do kind of shift things around just to have a tiny bit more of the narrative flow of what's how the events work. But. Yeah, just a really, really sweet movie that I would, you know, perfect little summer flick, I think. I kind of, you know, I was trying to look up things online about it, but I don't feel like it's really gotten, obviously it came out at a bad time. I obviously didn't get as much coverage. Oh, I didn't even say when it came out. So it came out in June 8th, which really, really bad time for a movie to come out. Smack dab and quarantine covid summer i don't know if it was ever supposed to come out in cinemas but obviously it came out on amazon yeah. and curzone and bfi iplayer also has it so it's on a bunch of different streaming services. you do have to pay for it i don't know i could have i could see it maybe having like a limited cinema relief release it yeah. could be in certain areas i think it would work yeah. maybe not nationwide it has that like book smart vibe of like a fun little indie romp of a movie. Perfect runtime as well. Like, oh, oh just, perfect. I just realised one of my really good mates is one of the producers, so I definitely shouldn't be talking about this film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're very complimentary about it. I don't know what you're talking no, about. No, I'm also very complimentary about it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So you turn up an hour late just to slag your mate's film off, John. <laughs> Unbelievable. Did I just delete everything from the beginning that you said? Yeah, just edit me out. I was never really here. <laughs> just right. do some voice clips that uh, Nora can edit back in over the top of yeah. you. Okay, quote one. <clears throat> <laughs> Love this film. Mate, one of the best films I've seen this year. I agree. Quote two. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I feel like this film definitely like had unfortunate circumstances in not getting, I think the like serious indie film reviewers have reviewed it and it's been really well received, but just because you have to pay for it on streaming networks, which kind of goes against it for the moment because there's so much other content and, you know, it's such a small film that without word of mouth, you know, they don't really seem like they have a huge marketing budget in that way. So, and then I found this quote from Simon Bird about the film that thankfully it's such a low budget film that its success wasn't dependent on its box office gross. I feel sorry for some bigger films that need to recoup some money for their investors, but fortunately we weren't in that situation. <laughs> so probably like astronomically tiny budget for it, literally to make the film. <laughs> And yeah, and the fact that, you know, they did get Thames and Greg and Rob Brydon to be in it, who I think are quite well-respected British names and did a really good job. You know, him being the douchey teacher worked. Yeah. <laughs> did you guys have a favorite 
cast member actor? Oh, that is tough. So I think I think everyone was everyone was great. Mine too. Yeah. yeah, she's so good. Like she's just that sort of like slightly beaten down, but she's still got a bit of a backbone. Like yeah, she's perfect. I thought. Yeah, I think you could make a great case for any all of them being a stand-up performance, which I think is really obviously Riley. <laughs> Can't yeah. even oh, the dog. You're always for the pet. If there's a pet in the movie, it's your favorite. Yeah. Well, this didn't end well for me, did it? So... Oh, that was so sad. <laughs> the little stain on the carpet. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was in just her having to take the bed out into the bin outside. Yeah. But she was moving on with her life. That was the last bit of her husband. You know, he had brought the dog into the house and kind of moving on. They'll get a new puppy. I bet they'll get a new puppy. Or cat. Maybe they'll become cat people. But it was interesting, a lot of that stuff it didn't do. Like, you kind of thought, okay, fine, now they get a new dog, so now you can, you know, life begins again, but they didn't do it. Yeah. They did yoga instead, just as beneficial. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, his friend as well, which you missed us talking about the fact that you can look him up on YouTube and he does some very interesting music, the actor who played Kai. Oh, really? Um, Elliot yeah. Spencer Gillot. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's only been in one other real thing, so, but he was just such a mad character, which I thought was great. Mm. And even, you know, even the sister who wasn't, you know, she was there throughout the story, sort of kind of being the sounding board for yeah. Sue, but. Even, even Katie, his cousin, I thought yeah. was really good. <laughs> like, the, the, the two scenes she was in, I thought she was great. Yeah. And even though he is the son of a very famous celebrity and probably had everything, you know, available to him. <laughs> we can oh, it, he was good. It, it, yeah, he was good. He did a really good job. Who's the son of a famous celebrity? The guy who plays Daniel is Nick Cave's son. Oh, which Nick Cave? And, and Nick Cave in the Bad Seeds, Nick oh, Cave. Nick Cave. Yeah. What other Nick Cave is there? There's another, There's another Nick Cave. Anyway. Yeah. But yeah, the big Nick Cave. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't know that? I didn't know that when I was watching it. I, but I, did, I did not know that. Um, he does look like him. Yeah, I think once you know it, you can really see in the face. Well, once, once you're told it, it's obvious, yeah. Now I feel stupid. But yeah, he is a good actor. Oh, sorry. Not, I mean, yeah, no, yeah, no, there's only one Nick Cave. I'm getting confused with somebody else. Okay. <laughs> there's only one that matters. No, 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 there's literally only one in the whole world. All the others have died in mysterious circumstances. I was actually, sorry, I was actually thinking of Warren Ellis. There's a Warren Ellis composer and there's a Warren Ellis writer. Yeah, yeah. And the, the Warren Ellis composer is in Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Yeah, exactly. That's why I get confused. Yeah. <laughs> I bet they're actually really the same person. He just has a double life. He wears a, you know, toupee or something when he's... <laughs> Doing the other bit. Yeah, I thought he did a great job. You know, his first kind of, I guess, well accoladed role. Um, and Monica Dolan, I hope she does more because just like her, like little nervous ticks, like when she's get talking to Astrid and she get she's like starting to stutter and getting really uncomfortable and then bursting out. I thought was so well done. And then when she 
there wasn't you couldn't really i couldn't really like there wasn't a moment where i suddenly felt i didn't believe in the character like she was regardless of what she was doing it was all very real so are you saying it was good i've been (laughs) saying it was good from the get-go i'm just saying it's not (laughs) okay i hope it has some life beyond you know being released in one of the worst periods in history for cinema yeah I think it should, it deserves to, because I think Tom's right, like, even if it's not necessarily a movie for you, there's like, there's nothing really to dislike about it, like. It would be such a great, like, Sunday afternoon with the family, everyone gets something from it, like, like, you could watch it with your parents, you could watch it with your siblings, you could watch it with your friends, like, it just Mm. works. Because nothing offensive, there's nothing like... But it's funny, because I think for a lot of films, if you said, look, there's nothing offensive, everything is perfectly fine, there's nothing... That's not a compliment, necessarily. <laughs> Usually it isn't, but actually in this case, it, it sort of should be taken in a more positive note. But I think, yeah. I think this has real problems marketing-wise. I'm not really sure how you get an audience to it, because I'm not yeah. really sure how you hook them. How would you market it? Who do you think it's for? I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't know. Um, because it's not, it's not for, I don't, it doesn't feel like it's for a younger audience. No, I, th- yeah, I think it's like you have to be like 20 plus, maybe mid 20s to. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. And then I sort of think a lot of people don't necessarily want to watch something that is essentially so close to home that it might feel like they're watching a, you know, we sort of live in an era where people really want escapist entertainment. And this is definitely not escapist entertainment. Um, I, I, I don't know how to pitch this. It would be a very tough thing to pitch if you ask me, but no. It's a good movie. Isn't that all that matters? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but so many movies, I, the problem is so many movies wouldn't have gotten made if it was because of the pitch. Because there's certainly films I've seen that I was like, I have no idea how you would tell someone in 30 seconds what this is about and get, you know, some big Hollywood big wig to make it. I'm, I mean, I'm very intrigued about how this got made. Because... Wait, because it's Simon Bird. No, no offence to Simon Bird. I'm not really sure that has much impact on its commercial appeal. But he, I mean, he has enough of a connection to the industry that if he could wrangle, you know, maybe a few million... He had Bell and Sebastian attached to do this a- album for it. I don't know if it was before or after. And that has, you know, aspects that might boost that. I mean, I could totally see that somebody who works in the creative community and has relationships would be able to leverage them in order to get other creative people involved, potentially as a favour or at a lower price point than usual. But nevertheless, it's a movie. There's, there's a lot of money that's been spent making it. Uh, yeah, I was, I was even looking through, like, the cast and crew, and it's very, like, tiny, tight ship, it looked like they were doing it on. Yeah, I, and you were saying about some of the actors' performances, and I was thinking, they, they, you know, they were probably doing one day or two days. That's probably yeah. all that, you know, mm-hmm. Hans and Greg did, or whatever. It was, it was probably very honed yeah. down and very sensibly constructed, but even so, you're talking about money. Yeah. Um, and it's not like... You know, just just the cold, hard facts of it. Um, you know, it's not like it's a zombie movie, so therefore you're going to get X amount from zombie fans. Therefore, if you work backwards into it, make it for seventy percent of X, 
to go. It's it's a tricky sell, and that sort of makes it even harder to get the numbers to add up. So I'm, I'm intrigued. I, 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 I'm curious. I hope it does well enough that he gets to do something else like this kind of Simon Bird and his partner get to do something else. I'd be interested to see his next movie based on this. Yeah. I'd be interested to see what he could do with some, some slightly larger canvas to play with. Yeah. Yeah. It um, is like such a, you know, obviously well executed, very succinct, sort of very tightly done you know there's nothing that i would like cut or it's bloated so for him to take and say this is a film i've done and then i would like to do this next project i think it's you know i think it's a good calling card for him at least i hope it is well i think i think what's interesting about it is you know assuming that it was very low budget which i think is a reasonable assumption to make he has made that a feature rather than something to fight against he's worked incredibly well at making that way of working as effective as it can be so like thinking about the scene with the dog's bed you know it's just one shot yeah yeah, yeah. and it, it's just incredibly effective but it's also very stripped down whereas you could imagine somebody with more money or time or space to play with might well have done that in several shots you know, it's an establishing shot and you come around and see her face and then a close-up on the bed and then something else. You know, he hasn't done that. He's just done it in one, but it's still very effective. So I think that is definitely, you know, something in its favour. Yeah, and that he, you know, you don't want to necessarily say to people, oh, I'm not going to cost you a lot of money, but just show, I can show an interesting story and it's not going to be overwrought or I, I and also to totally tonally consistent like it didn't feel like there were bits where they didn't have enough to get that done right like it was it was all on the same level which was is also actually i think difficult to do because often you look at low budget films and there'll be a scene or two where you think ah if only they'd have enough money to actually do what they were trying to do there yeah well <laughs> We were talking about something where it's like, oh, it, this showed that they didn't have, oh, in the old guard where they were doing the flashbacks to the medieval scenes where I was like, oh, they didn't totally have enough money to really do that well. Yeah, yeah. It's all about our focus, CG, let's put some lights in and we don't need to show the detail. But also Which is why it's probably good that, so in the comic you have like a bunch of flashback scenes to her childhood and you know, kind of showing his father and things like that. And they've sort of cut that out. There's sort of mentions of it, but just knowing that there's a way to kind of portray that history, but not overstretching yourself to the point that it really pulls the viewer out of the story because it's like, oh, this is jarring because it, do it doesn't, as you say, it's not consistent with the vision of the film. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you can give us then, unless anyone has any other comments but beyond it's just really nice it's really enjoyable you should watch it listeners any other tidbits you'd like to mention that you really so tom you can because you only saw the film you can give us your rose and thorn then of the film oh, oh. <laughs> um 
I really feel like I haven't added anything to this podcast. I've turned up, I've turned up late with very little to say. Well, you gave a different perspective. It's fair that you didn't engage in the story. I think I think you're useful because the three, all the three of us, all just agreed on most of the points where you've at least come with. Um, yeah, it's harder to discuss when we're all just like, yeah, that's great. But again, but again, it's not that I thought any of it was bad. Um, maybe my tastes at this point in my life are just more, you know, epic sci-fi rather than, uh, you know, I'm reading June in preparation for whenever we do that podcast, you know, that's all the cows come home. But, you know, I don't know, there was nothing about it that just that grabbed me. Uh, Rose and Thorn, uh, I love the kids' band. Uh, they were fun. Yeah. And they just had attitude, you know, I just liked them. They, I mean, the way it kind of, they seemed bigger than he did. Yeah, yeah. The way the shot yeah. was, he seemed so small and, and awkward. That, that and these kids taking, were like... The whole thing was taking a vote about whether he's in or not. And yeah. there's a band name. And he's like, should I stay? And they're like, yeah, <laughs> you're in the band now. <laughs> and then they all vote yes. It, it was, it, it's all so well observed. But in that sort of very subtle way that may, maybe I just need things to be less subtle when it comes to humour. It's entirely possible. Um, there was no. Sorry, line. there weren't any like laser shooter guns in it. Yeah, or the, and there was no candle after, so I didn't know when I should be finding it funny. Thorns, actually, I, I know people liked the seaside scene. I uh, it felt like a cliche of the genre, a little bit. I mean, my only argument would be to it of what I know of British living. You know, little day trips to the coast and like seaside weekend jaunts seem to be the holidaying of Brits. Yep, totally fair. Yeah. I mean, yeah, one of my flatmates said that his parents we literally would go to like, you know, this coastal town every summer for like a week. And that was our holiday. Yeah, yeah. Me and my mom um, and it, it, it felt like it was Sue's only, the only way she could give him something of Florida was like <laughs> taking him to the beach, you know what I mean? Like, it was like her bargain basement version of his holiday, but it was all she could do. Would you like to go then, Sean, your rose and thorn? Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, uh, my thorn, thorn for the movie is very obvious, it was the fudge man. Um, oh, that's mine! <laughs> It, it was the only it was the only scene where I where I felt like I was watching a movie, if that makes sense. Everything else felt more more natural. Um, my uh, my rosy question though, different actor, same dialogue. Would you have had the same problem? Or maybe maybe it's that. It's, it's the, the performance just was a bit jarring. Yeah, yeah. It felt like a comedy performance rather than a fudge man who was rude. Yeah. Um, <laughs> was a sentence you never thought you'd yeah. say. Um, my rose is um, the birthday scene when they're at the restaurant together. Mm-hmm. But that that whole scene up until her giving Rob Brydon a telling off, I really liked showing Daniel's growth. He like wanted to protect her from what she'd seen, but then her growth of showing like oh, it doesn't matter. Like I'm going to go and show him that I've seen him and make it known that this isn't okay. I thought that was a really like great scene that kind of encapsulated what the whole movie was doing. Ellie. I'm trying to think. My my thorn is also the fudge man, but I feel like Sean really stepped on my toes there. Obviously, <laughs> the death of the beloved dog. Um, I think my rose was almost like what they left out. So, like how you were saying, like 
they didn't get a puppy because it was the obvious thing to do. Like even when they're at the wedding and they they don't dance because they don't like it would have been really easy to have like them get up and do like a little cheesy like awkward dance together and that's the healing of their relationship but they didn't because they don't that's not them so I think maybe kind of the absence of things just really worked for me yeah yeah I mean I think the thorn as well like the fudge man <laughs> he's like the one bit that was like a little bit like mm, I don't know about this yeah I, I'd be really hard pressed to find anything you know, I liked the nothingness of it in the sense that it's not like a traditional beginning, middle, end of a sort of film in that way, but all the just little moments and, you know, I was just blown away by the set design and the cinematography and how they portrayed the scenes, you know, even if it was budgetary concern of like just that single shot through the open doors of her binning the dog bed and then you see the stain on the side and how creative that was or even like when she's eating the kitchen and like the way they angle the shots so you can see her eating alone and then him eating in the living room by himself yeah. like hunched over watching tv i, I love that scene yeah getting so much out of like one shot says so much about the characters yeah that was great yeah and we all remember those moments of like you just don't want to eat with your parents like and like i just want to be in front of the tv eat my food doesn't even matter what's on just don't want to have to be at that dinner table yeah. and I thought yeah it just really captures such a moment in most people's lives that you can really reflect on and have a bit of you know a sense of humor about it really so for me yeah I loved it I was happy that this pushed me to watch it though I feel like I would have eventually I hope a really good one thank you guys <laughs> I mean yeah there's nothing really to critique or for me anyway beyond just everyone should watch it and now you guys get a two a uh, break for a week <laughs> two, two weeks until the next one yeah don't you have a little seaside trip we are actually going to the seaside okay, <laughs> the seaside. maybe we'll find out when we get there please tell me please send me a photo at a fudge shop i mean yes. <laughs> you have to i'm sure there'll be a fudge shop wherever you're going there won't be a fudge shop where i'm going where are you Great. going Please. Oh, oh. Wait to one up us. Oh, come on, Tom. Make us <laughs> off your name. Sorry. There's no fudge shop. It's not one upping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that sounds really exciting. Uh, well, are you going to finish your... For the next book club. You'll be there for the next book club. Mm. Are you going to be able to push that in? I don't know until I've been able to see what the Wi-Fi is like. Okay. Well, yeah, let us know. Be sad if you won't. Obviously, if you've done like extra homework on the next one. Now I feel like I have to read both books. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, did Sean and I not make that clear? Okay, there's not one book. Yeah. Uh, me and Tom both read his uh, Ian reads other books, though. Okay. Ah, oh, so annoying. <laughs> but I think both of us were less enchanted by it. So. Uh... Yeah, very much so. Like, yeah, I, I did quite enjoy it, but much less so. Although I still haven't still haven't watched the movie. I've, I've sort of it's on Netflix so yeah I read some reviews and they've no that's your mistake you don't read the reviews before come on I try I definitely like for the specific of this group I try not avoid any reviews until I've watched it and then I'll read what other people have said yeah not quite right that's what I should have done yes you know you need to have your own opinion (laughs) Thank you. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best to have one. Well, you had one for this, so, you know. 
So yes, so Mama was <laughs> very welcome. Uh, it was appreciated. So yeah, so there's a break and then you are both welcome to join. Sean and I are doing the devil book. The devil. I know. The Tom Holland, Robert Pattinson film. The Tom uh, Holland, Robert Pattinson. Uh, the devil all the time. The devil all the time. Mm. Sounds like it would be long. No. Not, not that long. Yeah. I haven't finished the other book yet, so I'll need okay. to do that first. Yeah. So that one, and then I'm thinking the week after that to do Enola Holmes. I will maybe join you for that if I get through Devil the okay. Devil will sign fast enough. Well, you, I, you, I hope you would be doing done with it because it's the week after. <laughs> so I think yeah, those are, and then I wrote in the email some of the other ones that I'm yeah yeah so interested in. No comics, no short stories. It's all book books. So. And then, you know, I'm glad you've started reading Dune. I should probably. Yeah, it's going to take a while. I've got a copy, so that's a start. I mean, though, isn't the film only the first section, right? Yeah, the, the, the film is one of two. Okay. I'm just coming to Rebecca that month. Okay. Oh, yeah, I want to do Rebecca. That one looks good. Rebecca? I've always wanted to read that book as well, so Stephanie I'm looking Demorio? forward to it. Sorry? Stephanie DeMorio. Yeah, yeah, they're doing a new Rebecca with Army Hammer. Why? Because it's a you know out of no, copyright I, property. I, I, think. I know, but it's just one of those properties. I'm like, how many films of this do we need? Two. There's only two. This would be the second Rebecca film, I think. Right? Are there more than? It's too too many for Tom's liking. I mean, <laughs> it, it feels like something that the BBC used to do an adaptation of, like every other year. That's like Jane. That's like Pride. There's of probably Pride. like yeah. BBC versions of it as well. I'm looking this up. I don't think there's more than these. There's like the 1940 version. Wow, this is a TV, okay. There's been a few TV miniseries, so there's been this is a, this is a big budget one as well. Yeah, this yeah. This look, this looks like it was supposed to be in cinema. Uh, you know what? I've just realised Lily James is in it. I take it all back. I'll watch it very happily. <laughs> <laughs> Probably an amazing movie. So there were two TV miniseries and w one TV movie. And then only two films. So only two feature films. I've never actually. Yeah, I don't think I've seen the original. So to Mandalay. It's like a classic nineteen forties version, I think. Yeah, well, it's Alfred Hitchcock. So yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very good. Oh, ben Wheatley's directing it. Yeah, that's the other oh, thing. Oh, now I'm really conflicted. <laughs> it seems like such a. I don't know. Maybe they bribed him. He's desperate for the money, or doesn't really seem like he volunteered. No do this well unless he really plays up the the mrs danvers supernatural horror potential aspect of it it doesn't look very supernatural from the trailer but mm -mm. well i think it'll be a very interesting discussion yes so that would be is that october or november i forget october 21st the film is meant to come out we could do that that could be our like official october one we're just deciding that now. Is it supposed to yeah. be coming out theatrical? Because it's unlikely to. No, it's Netflix is releasing Netflix. it. I think it's. It sounds like it. It looks like it would have been theatrical. I didn't look at who the producers were for. Yeah, it. I was working. Working title. Yeah. 
So it probably was meant and they like were able to get the early Netflix quarantine budget and get in there. <laughs> now there's just like a queue of films like Netflix, please put us up. <laughs> Give us money. Oh no, Netflix is listed as one of the producers on Rebecca. I don't know where in that they fall, but so maybe they did, you know, get in there. So. Yeah, but sometimes when they acquire rights, they uh, they insist on it being called yeah. the Netflix. Retroactively become producers. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, it'll be, it, I mean, thankfully, I don't think we've had, you know, there's no situations yet. I think maybe it'll be different in Christmas where it's stuff that is cinema properly releases that we have to figure out what we want to do. But yeah. I don't know, they keep bumping, I mean, they just bumped Wonder Woman back. Yeah. Because yeah, we'll have to be careful. Like we have to see if Dune actually comes out. Maybe we can do it for January if it comes out too late in December. Yeah, January twenty twenty two. Maybe I might be finished. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're not doing the entire cycle, eh? Book one. No, Jesus, no. There's more than that one big book. Yeah. Book one. What? Yeah. What? I've never seen more than that book. Well, How many books are there? I don't know. Six, seven. What? Yeah, it's quite, it's quite a few. Who's mad enough to want to read that many? Eight. Oh my god, I just looked up all the... Ugh, no, thank you. Ellie only wants to do it if we're going to do all of them. Is that right? Yeah. I've already said I'm not coming to that one. I have zero interest. It's quite interesting because each book is a very different kind of story. Yeah. I Says someone who's trying to remember what they were like 20 years ago. But that was what I remembered about them the first time round. Oh, and then there were the ones written after by not Frank Herbert. Yep. <laughs> There's like a yep. dozen post his death books. But That's basically wrong. we need to concern ourselves is book one, Fear is the Mind Killer. Yeah. But Ellie has already committed us to reading The Witches, watching the original film, and watching the new one. Oh, yeah. Ooh. I stand by that. Yeah. The, that's, that's by the original film, you mean the Angelica Houston one? Yeah. Interesting. Because there's a new one coming out with Octavia Spencer and Kenny Barris wrote the screenplay for it. Well, okay, well, we can, thank you guys. Sorry, go to bed. <laughs> um, I'll see you in two weeks, if not before. Yeah, have a, both of you guys have a great holiday. Tom, let me know if you have internet. You know, who knows? Yeah, I mean, maybe. We'll see. Okay. <laughs>